Hey everyone, welcome to episode 12 of the Tappin' with Taco podcast. I'm your host, Takuto Watanabe. On today's episode, I interview Rich, a former Coast Guard commander. We talk about the path into the tech industry from the military, debunk some common myths about tech, and how to highlight your military skills into the civilian world. After speaking with Rich, it made me reflect back on what I've done in my own roles to be able to create stronger bullet points for my own resume. So, without further ado, Rich Coker. Hey, Rich, thanks for joining me today on the Tapping with Taco podcast. I'm very excited to have you here today to talk about the military and the tech industry. I'll let you go ahead and start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so my background, uh, I commissioned in 2003 in the Coast Guard. Um, I was active duty for a couple of years. I commissioned primarily as an intel officer. So I did most of that work. That is back in 2000, 2003, so sort of... Uh, a while ago, it feels like, um, and yeah, and I've uh, currently uh, I'm in the reserves. Um, I actually retire in five days, so I've spent a lot of my career in Intel. I've also did five years at a Navy unit, and eventually became, you know, it was an ensign, and I'm now retiring as a commander, which is an 05, if you're not familiar with the the Navy Coast Guard uh, ranks. So yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell for my Coast Guard career. Do you want me to talk about what I'm doing today and in, in my civilian side? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, I didn't really stay long active duty uh, in the Coast Guard. I only did a couple of years and then transitioned back into the civilian world. And uh, I started out in finance uh, and I did, I was doing accounting and auditing, mostly financial auditing. And then uh, it wasn't until I started working for Amazon that I started to get into more of that data center uh, infrastructure side. I was doing auditing for them. And then from then, uh, you know, they, I just got, uh, got to do a lot of more into the IT side, the information security side. Eventually got my uh, certified information systems auditor uh, certification, worked at Microsoft, went to Oracle. And now I'm at um, SAP where I oversee audits for the, the Concur uh, line of business. First, I want to say congratulations on your retirement from the military. That's that's an awesome milestone there. Thank you. But let's talk about some some things related to tech that we've talked about before. So what are some common myths that you've seen in the past? I know you've mentioned before that you're, you're a panel members and you've, you've been part of these discussions helping military veterans transition um, from active duty into their civilian career. What are, what are some things that you've seen from the tech industry, from your background, both in the military and tech? Yeah, I think that there's a, from, for a lot of the questions I get and a lot of, you know, it's, discussions I've had with transitioning vets, you know, they always see tech, the tech industry, the tech sector as something that's out of reach for them because they are not software development engineers. They're not coders. They didn't study that school or that, or they weren't, uh, you know, an IT in, um, you know, the Coast Guard or the Navy or whatever the equivalent is for the other services. But I'd say that, you know, like any sector, the tech sector doesn't require all people to have computer science degrees or information, you know, information management degrees. I think 
there is, you know, everything now has a tech component to it. You know, in the military active duty, we, we don't use a lot of paper anymore. All the files are stored in, in um, drives or even in the cloud, even in the commercial cloud in some cases now. So yeah, I think it's a mo- common misconception. And I, I think that, you know, if they think that a lot of vets, transitioning service members think that door is closed to them, when in actuality, you know, they might have a lot of skills to offer up, whether that be project management, leadership, uh, sales. You know, in my case, I started in finance and then learned about IT auditing, um, information systems, you know, all of that, all of the, the what we call ITGC controls, you know, through, through the job um, and then through additional certifications and training afterwards. So I think, yeah, people should not limit themselves based on what their assumptions are of the tech sector. You know, just like... You know, not everyone who works for an airline is a pilot. There's support personnel. There's people that have to do projects. It's the same for the tech sector, that there are a lot of other skills that can be done and a lot of contributions that can be made without being an engineer or a cybersecurity specialist. Yeah, that's interesting you mentioned that because especially for your your story, right? Like you mentioned, you've kind of built your way up through finance into, into different sectors within IT itself. What are some ways that you've seen success, not just for yourself, but others that have successfully transitioned from the military into the tech industry? A really great story, I think, is um, we had an intern at a company I worked at previously, and he was a um, an army officer, a military police uh, branch, and he was coming in with no real IT experience, coming directly in from the military, and he was coming in as an intern. And... My group at the time was specifically working on um, infrastructure audits. So it was cloud, it was all cloud, obviously. So we were going to different regions, inspecting the data centers, ensuring that all of our SOC and PCI and, and what other governmental, you know, FedRAMP, which are, you know, very like stringent frameworks that companies' infrastructure needs were going to be complying with those industry requirements. And so, you know, those, the skills that he was able to transfer from the army, it was a lot of project management. He had his PMP, which I think he obtained while he was in the army. Those all led well to the auditing and, and auditing is, is pretty much a project. I mean, you have requirements, you have a start and end date, you have to collect data, you make assessments. It's a finite amount of time of which you could do that. And so, yeah, he had really very little, I, I would say, pure IT knowledge and very very, there's not a lot of data centers out there. So like that is a very specific niche, you know, field about how data centers work, how servers uh, and a server farm uh, stores information, uh, how you secure it, all of those things. And, and, and now, you know, that person is, you know, a senior uh, program manager, he's, he's mid-level um, and he was only an intern a couple of years ago. I think it's a great story about how, again, you don't have to come from, uh, an IT background to be able to contribute and to be able to be successful in a profession that is demanding and, and lucrative as well. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic story as well. And and it just shows that you don't have to limit yourself to what you've known in the military too. There's, there's plenty of doors that are available out there. But I want to take a step back from what we talked about from the internship, because before you become an intern, right, you have to, you have to apply and you have to have these pieces in place in order to get that position. One of those things being the resume. Can we talk a little bit about that and what you've seen be successful 
and military resumes that translate over to the civilian side and what those key aspects or things that make a good resume? Yeah, yeah, I think this is a good topic because um, oftentimes I definitely see resumes that come across my email that, um, and it's not just limited to, you know, it's anywhere from O5s to O3s to E5s, you know, I think the the resume is important because it's the first window for that hiring manager or that HR recruiter to, to get a sense of your background and what you're trying to do. And so, yeah, I think that the, the resume is, is, is the, you have to spend a lot of time on it and you in each resume should be specific for the job that you're applying for. Um, you can always have a general resume that you might hand to somebody at like a, a, a career fair. But if you have a specific position, a specific job that you are going for, that resume definitely has to be tailored to that. And yeah, and some of the some of the some of the issues I see with resumes is it's too long. <laughs> it can be five pages long. Um, some of the things I've seen from transitioning service members is they put every unit that they've been with, um, and then they put every end of tour award on there, right? And you kind of have to remember that the audience is a may not have never served in the military or, or is not really familiar with it. So the end of tour award really means nothing to them. Um, I think the content of which you might have received that end of tour award is, is, is important, particularly if it's you know, impactful in terms of you saved money or you, you led uh, seven people in pursuit of you know, finishing the mission. But the actual, like whether it's a comet, you know, an army com or a, you know, navy achievement medal, really does not add add anything to the resume. The, and it just takes up space, right? It takes up valuable space because then I, I say anything longer than a two page resume is too long. So if you have a resume and you have a specific job and you want to look at the job description to see exactly what it says, um, and if it says something like, you know, you need to be familiar with these systems, you need to put that in the resume. And that should, it, if it's those, those most critical functions that uh, you'll be performing, whether it's, you know, project management, if it says you have to lead multiple projects within, you know, a high-paced environment, you want to say that you've done that in the resume. And you, you want to actually use those same words so that they, the hiring manager knows that that's a skill set of yours and then can expand upon that later in an interview. But yeah, the resume is definitely something that is, is super important and is, is a foundation at which you will be able to gain entry into the next stage of the hiring. Uh, just a conversation starter. What if you don't necessarily have those quote unquote skills listed on your resume? How do you kind of tailor it to make it applicable for the the job you're applying for? Yeah, I think in every job, I think there's teamwork that's required, collaboration that's required. Some of those softer type skills. If and again, like if you're applying for a job that it requires, you know, a senior type level, but you've not done that, or you've not been able to demonstrate that in your resume, you know. I, while you can still apply, I think the likelihood that you're going to move past that round is very low. So if, if it is an entry-level type of role and you, you want to be competitive for it and you think you can do the job and you can learn the skills later, then again, like focus on those sort of softer skills or experiences that you've had. If it's teamwork, then everyone in the military has done a huge level of uh, of teamwork um, and accomplished, you know, some sort of or contributed to a mission, be even at the, you know the E three or E four level. So use that language, you know, in terms of was part of a team that did X Y Z, what your contribution was, 
Um, cause that, that can itself can be a project. If you handled logistics, if you handled resourcing, for example, you know, when I was in the Coast Guard, I was part of, uh, you know, hurricane response. Um, and I've done nothing about, you know, emergency management or anything like that. And even though that's something I can, you know, some of those skills that I did for that mission, I can apply to my work, right? I led uh, 20 people. I followed up on reports. You know, I communicated that to senior level officers. Um, and, that, and that's the same thing. Maybe if, if, a, if a job description says, you know, must communicate to senior level management, I've done that. Granted, it was, it may not have been IT related, but it is still, whether you're communicating you know, how much damage uh, a hurricane did to a port or what the, the implications are from ransomware attack or something like that. It's the same thing, the, how to communicate that to leadership. So yeah, focus on those softer skills, focus on the things that you have done, but relate it back to a civilian type of language, right? They're not going to understand that you are loading a C-130, right? You can, you can, kind of broaden that and say, you know, you manage logistics for air mobility or or, or something like that. So just relate it to the mission. I can't think of a specific example, but you want to just, if the job is for, um, I'd say, data center infrastructure or something like that, or connect, you know, connecting servers, you want to talk broadly about how your experience might contribute to that, even if it wasn't specifically connecting servers to, you know, network racks or something like that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I, I want to kind of dive deeper into that because there are times, well, actually most of the time when you're getting out of the military, you're competing against people who've been in the civilian role who may have five, 10 years of experience within that actual capability. How do you differentiate yourself as a military veteran against some of these other people that you're competing with who may have had more of this in-house, I guess, experience um, on the civilian side? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I think it is difficult when you're when you're a hiring manager and you're looking at resumes and you're looking at different candidates and you see that hey, these two candidates have actually done this job before at other places and these two, you know, have not, then you're more likely to look at the, you know, the ones that have actually done it before and who have actually can can talk about that. So, to differentiate yourself with the military, I think the the best things that we as veterans and former service members can can add is that we've, we are able to um, adapt and we're able to learn things quickly. You know, we're able to follow instructions and understand what it exa- exactly needs to happen and get trained up quickly. So those are things you want to highlight in your resume. And, you know, if, if you're not able to say specific examples of the functions, then usually in a job descriptions, you'll see some like traits or characteristics, you know, like things like that might say like must be collaborative or is a great communicator, you know, and those kind of transcend just the specific job itself. So perhaps the hiring manager might meet with folks that have actually done the job before, but are, but, you know, this job also requires them to communicate to people, to, to laymen, let's say, who aren't familiar, as familiar or maybe talk to customers. So use, again, use those, the non specific functions in the job description to leverage your resume to say, okay, well, I may not have these specific functions that they're looking for, but here's the things I've done, you know, that I can show uh, I could add value, right? Like, I mean, you're, you're a great communicator. You compile reports in a timely manner. You know, you're able to convey emails quickly or turn around things quickly or understand, or you've worked in high tempo environments. I mean, that's a big thing for the military, right? Like we've all worked in missions that um, required us to, to work long hours, 
So if, it, if a job description says like, you know, frequent travel, unpredictable schedule, say that you've done that, say that you've, you were deployed and you had, you were um, doing shift work and you had to be on you know, alert the whole time and you're working in high tempo, high stress environments. Uh, you're used to that. And so, yeah, that's how you want to differentiate yourself if you cannot specifically reference the, the functions or responsibilities in the job description. Yeah, I think that's great. You listed a lot of things that we do in the military that really translate over to the civilian side. Are there any common roles that you've seen military members pursue or successfully execute on the civilian side once they've transitioned over in the tech field? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, in audits, we have specifically in my field, there, it, it does it, it does require like a huge ebb and flow of, of a large amount of work and a short amount of time. And then there's quiet period. And I think that's something that's I, I think that I've seen military members have excelled at. And I actually have three veterans on my team is that they're very much used to periods where you for two weeks, you're just emailing and on the phone and attending so many meetings and trying to figure out how to provide additional evidence or additional documentation to, to prove that control is operating effectively. And then you might have to collaborate and talk to this person and that person and put things together. I, I very much find that like that that's an advantage I think veterans have is they, they work well under pressure because they've done that before. The military, even in an, if, if it's an exercise or an actual deployment, you feel that stress and you have to get through that period uh, to accomplish the mission because people are depending upon you, right? And I think that's kind of the best trait that I see in, in the veterans I've hired, at least, is that they've, they're very much calm under pressure and I don't have to worry about their, their ability to handle that and they, they can just push through. So I think that's a, that's a really important trait that I think I've seen from, from veterans compared to uh, you know, most others who, who haven't served. I think that's funny you mentioned that because it's all, a lot of the time, right? It's the hurry up and wait kind of thing that yeah. we have to do in the military. So that's, that's yeah. awesome you mentioned that. Totally. And that, even the wait part is frustrating, right? Like, sometimes that, the, the, the waiting for something to come, you know, you, you, you have to learn to be patient and, and, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks on the civilian side are, are not as there's an instant, like, how come I don't have this answer yet? Just stay calm and we'll, we'll find out soon. Awesome. If there was one thing that you could suggest to a transitioning member, let's say they're a year out of their ETS date. What's the number one thing you should, you would suggest that they focus on to get into tech? Yes, I think, I think they should start to do their research, right? And figure out exactly what they want to do in tech, right? Because tech is this huge nebulous field. Do you want to be on the, pro do you like projects? Um, if, if you want to, if you like projects, then you definitely want to have things on your resume or, or in your competency skill set, like a PMP and say, okay, uh, here's someone that actually do projects, right? A certification or something like that. Because, you know, there's all sorts of jobs within tech. And unless you want to be a specifically a software engineer or um, a cybersecurity specialist, uh, then then you should be preparing for that, right? You should be studying up on what that would entail. What are those? Just look at Google some job descriptions and see what, you know, from from. Google or SAP and see what those types of jobs entail, right? And see if you can, if you can articulate that you have that experience to be able to do that. So a year out, I would just be doing some research into what exactly the field or type of work you want to be going into. Uh, I think a lot of um, 
a lot of people don't know this, but um, in if you if you've worked on a, a sub or have maintained any sort of HVAC or mechanical parts, you know you're very much valued in the data center world. That they have data centers are basically big ships, but they just hold servers and don't go anywhere. But they're you know they need cooling, they need power, they need uh, to be self sufficient away, away from an electrical grid at some point. They have generators which require fuel. Those are definitely some skills that a lot of sailors have. Um, I'm sure some some um, expeditionary you know, servicemen who, who've gone uh, and, and done de- deployments into, um, you know, a place where you need pa- have set up power and water. But that's what you should be doing a, a year in advance is to just figuring out which industry you want to work in um, with the whole remote work now. I mean, I feel like there's, it's totally open. You don't have to live in Seattle or Silicon Valley or Austin, Texas. You know, you can work from anywhere now and be remote and be able to provide that value. But you have to be very specific about what you want and what you're aiming for. Twelve, and I, I like that you use the year twelve months in advance minimum to see. Okay, this is the industry I want to be in. This is the field that I like. Uh, if it's HR, then target that. Uh, if, it's pro, if it's project management, program management, then start to think about what exactly you want to contribute to that um, and how you would be able to articulate that you've done those things that the hiring manager needs uh, from a project manager, that you've done requirements gathering. And a lot of times what you can do is just look back at your own experience and just say, okay, was that was a mission, but was that also a project, right? I think earlier on my career, I used a, uh, I planned an admiral's retirement and it wasn't. It didn't dawn on me until later on. I was like, "That was a project, right? Like I had to get uh, the event together. I had to go and ask what the admiral wanted. I had to make sure she was um, happy with what the plan was. You know, she was my customer in that sense. And then I had to get you know resources together and and plan that and you know execute it on the day of. You know, in the context of you know senior director that I am now, it's probably not that not something I would mention. But if you're going from an entry level position, you know, because I did that as an ensign, you know, that's definitely something that you did and that was successful, uh, at least for me. So yeah, I, I would, that's what I would do twelve months out. I think those are really great real life tangible examples that a lot of service members can can relate to. Are there any general tips or advice that you could you would leave the audience with? Yeah, I think networking is huge. So, you know, I think there is a really great uh, network of veterans, you know, people who are allies of those who have served. Um, and they're, and the, to get into those networks and figuring out and talking to people who are doing that job now that you want, it, talk to, to somebody who does advertising or sales for a tech company, talk to them and see what they, how did they get there? The, the road has been paved. So don't reinvent the wheel. Uh, use those. There's a lot of resources for veterans to meet up with um, other veterans who are serving, or uh, sorry, who are employed at, at, tech, at tech firms. There's there's a lot of those types of talent that you can talk to and, and have discussions with. So use that. And also, I think one other thing is there's a lot of workshops that you can go and and help with your resume. I, I, f- I feel like at this point, no one should be providing a resume that, you know, that is purely just every unit and every tour. So use people to like, hey, can you, re- can you review my resume and see if this works? And if this is, if this is a, a, you know, something that you would accept to move past the, to, to the next step to get an interview. Fantastic. I've heard the networking piece time and time again. So again, emphasis on that portion. If, if people want to reach out to you, if they have follow-up questions, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, um, you can, you know, well, 
find me on LinkedIn. I feel like, you know, LinkedIn is definitely a, a bigger resource than it was, I think, five years ago. I think it's very much a must have. Even if you submit your resume, they might still look at your LinkedIn profile to see, you know, uh, all the things you've done, maybe like want to see your endorsements. But find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm definitely there. and I'm always happy to help out transitioning veterans as well. I think that's the best way uh, we can connect. And yeah, I'm always pretty active there. Awesome. Well, thanks for all the insight, Rich. I really appreciate your time and all the valuable information that you provided. Um, and there's some awesome action- actionable items that people can take from today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Rich and the success stories he shared about other veterans transitioning into tech after the military. If you want to hear my story about how I was able to get into tech, I briefly cover it in episode one. For those of you getting closer to that 20 year mark, in the next episode, I'll be bringing on Audrey, who shares her experience during her retirement out of the Navy into the finance industry. I'll talk to you all next time. Peace. I got my whole squad popping like they on two pills. No sign less and got two mil. I ain't meek when it come to big banks like my first name Phil. Well-